Well, the very first step would be to notice it. You can't change anything if you're not aware of it. Mm. So they would have to... Um, be aware that they really are arguing too much and um, rather than blame each other, which is what I generally see in my office, mm-hmm. um, to say, okay, you know, we're each responsible. Um, you know, you can't have a tug of war, of war if only one person is grabbing at the rope. It's episode 500, and this week, we discuss what happens to your blood when you fight. Researchers out of Ohio State University look to see just that, and Dr. Karen Sherman weighs in. Stay tuned. The whole mission of Hitched is to help couples enjoy their marriage and live happily ever after. That's one of the reasons we have the Hitched Wine Club. We wanted to offer something that would be a reminder every month for couples to sit down, reconnect, and enjoy the company of one another. We have partnered with the fantastic Touring and Tasting who hand select the wines that will be delivered to your door each month. You can go to our website, hitchedmag.com, click on the Wine Club link, and check out the different club options available to you. Again, visit hitchmag.com and click the Wine Club link. Cheers! Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the original, the lovely, the talented, the brilliant Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. <laughs> Hi, Steve. I don't know if I deserve all those accolades, but I will say thank you. <laughs> you absolutely do. Um, so today we are going to talk about um, how fighting might actually make you sick. Uh, there was some research done at the uh, Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center, and the researchers had couples get into a fight. They had taken blood samples before the fight, and then they took blood samples after they fought. Um, they found that they had uh, markers in their blood that uh, were indicators of a leaky gut. Uh, and that basically means that the gut bacteria uh, would be able to seep into other parts of the body that can lead to inflammation and some other problems. And you're talking about that they saw those markers after the fight I'm and sorry. they weren't there previously. That's right. I'm sorry. I sh- okay. Yes, yes. Thank you for uh, clarifying. Um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So before the fight, there was no indication of any problems after the couples fought, they found that their blood was demonstrating these these markers of a leaky gut, and again, which would cause some of this like bad bacteria to leak out into the body. Um, does do the re, do these results surprise you at all? Not at all. Not at all. Um, there have been other studies, but I'll come back more specifically to this. There have been other studies where they were looking for the differences of males and females, and they uh, hooked them up and tested what was going on in their bodies um, to see if there was a difference in the way men and women responded to an argument. Um, and they did see differences. But the point is that bodies clearly react to emotionality. So this does not surprise me. Now, we know that when we are in a stressful situation, the we have two different parts of our system, uh, the sympathetic nervous system and 
and the parasympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system helps us to deal with stress to uh, for fight flight. And there are a myriad or several different parts of the body that respond during stressful times. The heartbeat goes up, the um, digestive system shuts down, um, and, you know, a host of other things. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they are under stress and they're fighting, um, absolutely the sympathetic nervous system is now revving up. And I'm not at all surprised that they are also finding um, these markers for a leaky gut because the stomach would be reacting as well. So, mm-hmm. again, in a word, no, I am not surprised. <laughs> now, you mentioned the the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. What what mm-hmm. is the parasympathetic? The parasympathetic nervous system helps to restabilize us after the sympathetic nervous system has gone into motion because our body likes homeostasis, mm-hmm. which is balance, and so we have a very elegant system. So if the sympathetic nervous system, let's say, I'm just making this up, jumps up six notches, then when the stress is over, the parasympathetic nervous system brings us back down the six notches. If it only goes up three, then it brings us down three. So it equalizes us out. But this is just a side note, but I think people will find this very interesting. If one is under unbelievable stress or shock, Mm -hmm. Since the heart rate goes up so amazingly to deal with this shock, what often happens is that in the uh, parasympathetic nerve nervous system's um, efficient way of calming us down, it slows the heart rate down in an equivalent opposite rate that it slows it down so much that people actually die. And so when you hear of people dying of shock or dying of a broken heart, that's what's actually happening from a physiological point of view. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That does make a lot of sense. Yes. Um, You know, you just rattled off quite a bit of very (laughs) interesting information, which I'm a sucker for. Where do you think we are in terms of science and understanding the psychosomatic self where emotion affects the physical body? You know, I think that's an interesting question because Freud understood this years and years and years ago. He really helped us to um, be aware of the whole concept that you could have a psychosomatic ailment that was really psychosomatic, that it wasn't a real physical ailment. And he would look for patients to say things like, well, you know, this is really getting under my skin. And they would have a rash. Um, Or, um, you know, um, I I just feel so um, sick to my stomach over this. And they would have stomach issues, gastrointestinal issues. So he understood that. And in fact, in the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, we do talk about psychosomatic illnesses. Um, But I don't think until the last few years do we really appreciate that there is a mind-body connection. Um, it, It was really seen as... It's like two separate things. And I think 
that in more recent years, uh, we're starting to really respect that there really is um, a connection between how the mind works and and um, what happens with the body. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of a tangent on this follow up is like the when you hear about like the placebo effect. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times that is used to demonstrate that a drug isn't as effective as you know one mm-hmm. might, might one might claim. Mm-hmm. Um, that- Let, let's explain what placebo effect oh, is. Okay, go ahead. Well, placebo effect is you tell somebody, let's say, okay, here, you're sick, take this pill, and it's nothing more than a sugar pill. There's nothing in it Uh that is really a drug, but because the person feels that they're getting something, they get better. So it's really mind over matter. It has nothing to do with really getting a drug. So I guess I was trying to think of the question that I wanted to ask on this. Um, Shouldn't we know more knowing that the placebo effect actually – happens yeah (laughs) like i mean shouldn't we know like i I just feel like this seems like such an obvious thing when like these people will give sick patients two drugs one that they've concocted in their lab and the other one to your point like a sugar pill Mm -hmm. and uh they can see that people get better after long times long bouts of whatever it is they're dealing with (laughs) because they believe they're getting the cure and they yes they, they heal um i it you know i'm not blaming anybody it just seems like we should be I don't know. I know. I'm sure there are a lot of really great scientists out there working on all this stuff. It's just, um, I've always found that side of things fascinating. So this whole this whole topic today, I find really interesting because mm-hmm. I do believe in the power of the mind. Um, Absolutely. But I also believe in like <laughs> hard science and you know healing broken bones with like casts and things like that. So I'm not. Uh, I'm not totally. Um, you know, mind You're not giving it up yet. You're yeah, not giving no, up. I'm not, You're not giving up your doctor yet. No, I'm not giving up my doctor. I do believe like there are some things that a lot, a lot of things that needs like real intervention. So, mm-hmm. anyways, I don't want to get off on a tangent here. Okay. Um, <laughs> which I have a tendency to do, as you know. Okay. So, um, one of the things um, that these uh, researchers that you know they've been doing a bunch of interviews and stuff. I saw a couple articles where this study was mentioned. Uh, they had um, commented how previous research showed that um, vitriolic fights between couples can slow down healing time for wounds, mm-hmm. and I think this is something that we've talked about, and mm-hmm. raise um, people's risk for heart disease, diabetes, depression. Um, why do you think? doctors don't advocate and this i guess goes back into the placebo stuff why do you think doctors don't advocate stronger for mental well-being and interpersonal strengthening and like literally prescribe that kind of like remedy for stuff as opposed to just the pharmaceuticals and whatever else oh i well i have a couple of answers for that first of all my most cynical answer is that uh big pharma is big business. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of money being invested into pharmaceuticals. And um, there's also a um, a thinking among the population of let me take a pill for a quick fix. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is that uh, the way most of our medical profession works is very specialized. So you could have a pain that's coming from, let's say, your elbow, but it's radiating into your thumb, 
And so I actually once had to go to a thumb doctor. Okay, and it could have been really that the pain was coming from somewhere else. But our our medical profession, by and large, is very specialized, and it's only um, becoming more in style now to go to like a functional doctor who looks at the whole of the body mm-hmm. or a holistic doctor. So that being said, I don't know that doctors necessarily think in terms of mental well being. Um, I think. Again, in more recent years, you know, one of the advantages of being a little bit older is being able to notice changes is that doctors are finally accepting that stress absolutely has something to do with people's well-being. And so now they will say, you know, how much stress have you been under? What What's going on in your life? Um, it's important to get exercise and things like that. So there's a greater acceptance of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that we've really turned the corner as far as um, mental well-being mm-hmm. and its personal strengthening. Um, I think that a lot of doctors still feel that that is um, a little bit more out there. And and quite frankly, if we did that, we'd be taking away from their business, wouldn't we? Right. Yeah. It's you know it is a very interesting um, conundrum because <laughs> the more effective that stuff is, the less need there will be for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it is like, I guess to your point, uh, I have noticed more recently in my recent, you know, regular um, doctor checkups that they go through a litany of lifestyle questions now. Mm-hmm. That I don't yes. remember getting in the past. It's that's correct. You know, do you exercise regularly? What is your diet like? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. How much sleep are you getting? Yes. Um, and we know all these things can also play into mental wellness. Um, so yeah, so, okay. So that's interesting. Uh, let's see, moving on. Are there any other psychosomatic, uh, responses that you want to highlight regarding the mental relationship to our biology since we're on the topic today? Yes. High blood pressure. Hmm. Okay. And this one is really an easy, excuse me, fix. So we have lots and lots of research that indicate that if you hold hands with your partner, your blood pressure goes down. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't take an awful lot unless you're just really angry at your partner. (laughs) But, you know, just hold hands. Yeah. And we know that your blood pressure would be much lower. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that you know, that's an easy one and it's something that is not gender related. So that's why I'm picking that one also. And certainly uh, high blood blood pressure and keeping it uh, in line is something that is highly significant. Yeah. I, I think uh, you probably brought that one up a long time ago. Yes. A long time mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've said this in the past, like I try to practice what we preach here and I uh, can say that after after I first discovered that little nugget there, um, I just really started focusing and being more mindful of just touch with uh, Jess, my wife, in mm-hmm. general. And mm-hmm. whenever either of us maybe had not necessarily even a stressful day, just like a go, 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 go day, mm-hmm. and we were trying to unwind at night, like we make a concerted effort to touch each other. And that mm-hmm. could be as simple as just sitting next to each other on the couch and just like – 
you know, sometimes holding hands, sometimes not, but leaning against each other. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, it's amazing, uh, like, how quickly we would both just, like, Yeah. It's like really just like, boom, really calm down. So so let's do a little spinoff on that. We also know that hugging, and we've talked about that in past Mm -hmm. podcasts as well, hugging is a tremendously beneficial uh, behavior. Um, It releases oxytocin, which is the cuddle um, hormone, Mm -hmm. and um, touch, as you're saying, is extremely vital for helping people feel good psychologically and for um, for your health. Mm-hmm. So hugging is very important. And just for people who don't always listen to us uh, or who have missed certain episodes, um, four hugs is what's considered uh, the best way to go during the day. And the way to do it is when you get up in the morning, when you're saying goodbye to each other, when you greet each other again, and when you say goodnight. Mm-hmm. So easy, there's your easy. four. Yep. Um, yep. Now, uh, I guess the follow-up to the touch and, and the hugging and all that other stuff, uh, we know that um, uh, touch is one of the five love languages of Dr. Mm-hmm. Chapman. Yes. Do, so is is touch physiologically more impactful for couples who respond to that as their love language, do you think? Well, I don't I, – I, you know, if if that's your love language, in other words, if that's the way that helps you feel more loved, then obviously it's going to be more impactful. Um, but I think touch is important for everybody. So mm-hmm. even, you know, you saying you sitting on the sofa next to Jess, if there's some touch, that feels good. But we know that touch is really important uh, going way back to attachment theory. Um, so it's good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But you just, for somebody who that's their love language, you want to do it more. Yeah. Um, okay. And then lastly, uh, so this all started on the, the, the latest research that talks about the gut, the gut leaking, uh, mm-hmm. marker in the blood, uh, be after couples fought. So, um, knowing that, what would you recommend as a first step for couples who find themselves uh, arguing just a little more than they believe to be healthy? Well, the very first step would be to notice it. You can't change anything if you're not aware of it. Mm. So they would have to um, be aware that they really are arguing too much. And um, rather than blame each other, which is what I generally see in my office, um, to say, okay, you know, we're each responsible. Um, You know, you can't have a tug of war if only one person is grabbing at the rope. So if they're arguing, um, even if one of them is silent, because silence also can promote an argument, uh, then it's really, they've come to that because both of them are contributing. And so it would be to look at what it is that they're doing. There are lots of good um, uh, programs out there for learning how to communicate better. Um, Sue Johnson, who's one of the if not the, one of the leading experts in the field says that um, the way to really stop arguing is not to look at what you're arguing about, but 
what feelings it's evoking in you. So in other words, if I say to you, Steve, you know, you haven't taken out the garbage and I've asked you several times to do that, what I'm really feeling is you're not hearing me. My needs don't matter to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether you try to understand each other better, whether you understand what the feelings are, the point is um, to at least be aware that you're arguing too much and say, you know, what can I do to make things better? Great. I love it. Um, and since you brought up uh, Dr. Sue Johnson, who is like the godmother of uh, EFT, emotionally focused therapy, mm-hmm. um, we are about. Um, Anyway, I'm sorry, going off on a tangent again. Um, we we I actually did an interview with her. Um, uh, I don't know, probably like a year or so ago. So if you want to hear more about EFT and and what you are talking about, um, I recommend going back into our archives. Just doing a little search for Dr. Sue Johnson, and you'll and you'll find it, and uh, you can listen to her tell you herself about what it's all about. So yeah. Um, okay, that um, fantastic advice uh, and and uh, a, a great breakdown. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, I don't really think so, Steve. Um, the I guess the only thing is, and I don't even know exactly where this fits in, but emotions always come out in the body, mm-hmm. and so. It's very important to listen to your body, to start becoming aware of your body, because especially for people who have grown up not learning to uh, express themselves, a good place to start is to notice, does your body feel tight or tense um, or something like that, because your body's trying to signal you and uh, and tell you what, you know, that you're feeling something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I guess I would add that. Um, and uh, the more that you know about yourself, the more that you can then open up to your partner. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And and you talked about Freud's recognition of this stuff of like, I feel, you know, uh, some something's crawling under my skin or I mm-hmm. have something in my gut, whatever, or I about have bad feeling in my gut. I think that's all very important. And I think a lot of times we live in a society where we are taught to tough it out and we um lionize people who uh do such do that they they will tough it out and make it through and it's we often don't think about at what cost what are the Mm -hmm. what are the circumstances of that why did they do that what you know what does it look like tomorrow and Mm -hmm. so maybe we should start thinking a little bit more so about that stuff um this is excellent uh, I want to thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is always thank a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. And before we go, I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, you can get this information and much more at our website, hitchedmag.com. Uh, and as I do each week, I do recommend subscribing to our newsletter it is free it goes out weekly Uh, it includes the latest episode uh, as well as the top featured articles for the week Um, and uh, you know we bounced around a lot of topics today and I can tell you that I think just about all of them we have covered in some facet in the past um, either through the podcast or uh, with the articles so if you want more you can really do a deep dive on the website and I hope you do 
So um, with that, that is going to do it for this week. Until next time, take care, everybody. 